On behalf of the Wellness Subcommittee of the Asia CEO Community, I'd like to welcome you to the next episode of our wellness podcast. We serve CEOs and C-suite throughout Asia across most industries. Our goal is to empower this group not only to enhance their own wellness, but also to create a work environment that is proactively supportive of the entire company's wellness needs. The company wins, employees win, and clients win. My name is Greg Solomon, owner of Eigen Grey Consulting and Advisory, and I'll be your host today. We're very lucky to have Leanne Lim as our guest, a therapist in private practice here in Hong Kong. Leanne, welcome. Would you take a moment to introduce yourself, your work, and some of the areas of your focus? Thank you, Greg. Hello, everyone. My name is Leanne. I am a mental health therapist and counselor based here in Hong Kong. I work out of Maple Tree Counseling. In my work, I work with many adults who are struggling with anxiety, with depression, with grief, with low self-esteem, and relationship issues. Obviously, a lot of these struggles come from our personal and home environments, but majority also come from our work environments, the pressure we feel at work, the pressure we may have with our colleagues and clients. Now, in this work, um, as I work with adults, I'm starting to see a trend. You know, men do come in with their stress, but women, on top of their stress, they may be dealing with hormonal changes. We're talking about fertility issues. We're talking about perhaps miscarriages. We're talking about grief that comes along with all of that. And then as women age, they also struggle with menopause. Um, now, I'm not saying that men don't have their issues, but as a woman myself, I'm increasingly becoming more aware of some of the specific struggles that women face in the workplace and at home. And I'm thinking with percentage-wise, more men in the management area, do we need to educate our male managers and our male CEOs about some of the struggles their female colleagues may be coming up with? Okay. That, and that's a great setting. And, and certainly that is the focus of our, our discussion today. It is going to be these women issues, not because we're downplaying the issues that men have, but as you say, men do dominate management. So on average, management understand male issues, right? So so we'll, um, we'll talk a little bit more. And um, there, there is a, a Deloitte study that I was reading recently where they were talking about uh, a, a lot of women and, and, and the issues that face. And when women have issues from very painful menstrual cramps through to fertility issues and sick children, they often don't disclose the nature of why they need to be out of the office, why they've taken a, a sick leave, perhaps because it's a personal issue, uh, perhaps because they, they don't feel their manager would really understand what the issue is. So there is a lot of uh, 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 intentional hiding of, of some of the, the facts. And again, that's a further reason that underlies our need to talk about these issues openly in a forum like this. Correct. Um, you, you raise a very good point, Greg. When women struggle, whether it's biological or emotions related to biological struggles, we don't freely share. I think there is a level of taboo still in the society. So we can imagine they certainly will not be bringing this up to their male managers. So you, you, you touched on fertility. It's quite interesting. You know, there is increasing data suggesting that infertility around the world is on the rise. However, 
we don't have reliable global statistics on the prevalence of infertility. But according to Human Reproduction Journal, there are over 70 million couples globally experiencing fertility problems. WHO estimates 60 to 80 million couples worldwide suffer from infertility. Now, exactly what is infertility? Now, WHO says infertility is a disease of our male and female reproductive systems. Now, this is defined by failure to achieve pregnancy after 12 months, only 12 months or more of regular unprotected sexual intercourse. Based on that, um, we will notice now that out of that, call it figure of infertility, it also affects male reproductive systems. So according to the Journal of Human Reproductive Sciences, infertility affects 8 to 12% of couples. And out of that 8 to 12%, approximately 40 to 50% is due to male factor infertility. That's an area that's usually not particularly addressed. I mean, at the end of the day, when a couple is infertile, most likely, most of the time, the responsibility falls on the woman, whether it's a family obligation, societal pressures. But whenever you talk about infertility, that pressure falls on the female partner of the relationship. Now, infertility has medical, economic, and psychological implications. Based on my role as a mental health therapist, I'm going to focus on the psychological aspect of infertility, as it can cause trauma, marital conflict, stress, anxiety, depression, and many other emotional struggles. And this affects both men and women. Okay. And, and just a, a, a point here again, um, so these are real issues, but, but uh Although there may be home issues, again, you're talking about strife with the relationship and, 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 and bringing pressures, they bring those pressures into the office with them. And so uh, a work environment in general needs to be aware that these issues exist. And of course, the manager may not be aware that a couple is trying to conceive, but nevertheless, understanding that the, you know there are issues, there's some stress, and, and, and trying to make it just easier for their employee to work, because the employee isn't just a machine. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a human being who's coming to the office, a person, and so on. So it's, it, the, the big worry, again, is it, it adds to their pressure when they have to perform at work, and it makes it harder for the work environment to, to be optimized, right? Right. And I have to say, as as someone who's been through various IVF cycles myself, um, I have a particular heart for this area. You know, going through IVF cycles while I was working, I was hiding it from my colleagues and my bosses just because you don't want the extra pressure. But then again, when you're going through IVF, anyone who's been through IVF would know the pills you take, the injections you have to put on yourself, it affects you. It affects your body physically, affects you emotionally. So you can imagine, we do bring it into a workplace, but at the same time, trying to suppress it and juggling uh, work deadlines. You know, many people I've spoken to, uh, you, we end up crying in the toilet cubicles at work because you cannot find a private place to express your, call it your overwhelming emotions. You don't want to take it on your colleagues, of course. So you do end up hiding in toilet cubicles to express your emotions. And I've heard this both from men and women in all sorts of settings, whether it's big businesses or small businesses. So I think in terms of addressing our employees' mental 
health um, well-being, this is an area that we probably need to focus on a bit more. And and it's layered, right? So people are, you know, they're, they're going through whether it's IVF or just natural conception, but but they're failing uh, to, to, to conceive. So not only is there an emotional stress, but now people are feeling stressful about being stressed. As you say, it's not a matter of, oh, I feel like crying. I'm going to go into the bathroom and cry a little bit. There's maybe a bit of embarrassment because you have to go to the, the uh, cubicle to cry. You have to hide. Uh, and there is this anxiety about being caught. And there is this uh, uh, sense of, oh, I shouldn't have to be do this. Why, you know, why am I everything like that? So now we're feeling stressed about our stress and, and particularly the women because going through these, um, uh, you know, as you mentioned, IVF, they're on the, the, the hormone therapy. So, right. So a lot of this is exaggerated. Yeah. And, and you're right, Greg, right. In addition to the hormone therapy that comes with IVF, you're struggling with conception. You'll try all sorts of methods your natural methods, your holistic methods, your traditional and all sorts of scientific methods to help you conceive. And then we realize more and more there are lifestyle and diet changes you can make to help you conceive. All of that will add to our stress because it's 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 a result that we're looking for. And when you don't have that result, there's disappointment, mm. there's frustration, mm. there's anger, there's fear, like you mentioned. What if it doesn't happen? And then I'll talk about that. You are stressed about your stress yeah, because you're worried that you will explode in the workplace, that you have to cry in the workplace. And and certainly uh, a lot of managers, uh, it's, it's a little bit inconsistent, right? A lot of managers will be, don't bring your personal issues into the workplace. Although very happy for you to do emails in the evening and take business calls late at night and everything. So it's okay to take your your, your work pressures into your home but it's unacceptable to bring your home pressures into work. So that there's already starting to create this chasm between what people are experiencing but w and w what people need to experience. We are whole people. You and I, we're whole beings. When we ask our employees not to bring their personal issues to the workplace, we're asking people to split, essentially, right? You, we're asking people to compartmentalize. Mm -hmm. And some people can do that. But most people... I've supported cannot do that. We're talking about men and women who come to see me because they say my stress, my fears, my my low moods are affecting my work performance. They're so aware of that and they're seeking help. But it would be even more fruitful if work gives them the space to do so. So let's uh, maybe before we go into further details, let's think if, if you were to give a message to people listening to this uh, this this episode now to CEOs and C-suite around uh, uh, this issue, what is what is a, maybe a single item advice you might give? Is it around you know being understanding, just giving people space to be emotional at work? Like what is what would you say is a sort of key item of advice here? I would say overwhelmingly, hearing hmm. most people. Just simply asking how they are will open up the conversation. How are you doing? What's going on? Instead of right away pinpointing what is not being done, try to explore what is the underlying issue. For example, Greg, mm -hmm. you always get your projects, your RFPs out on time. I've noticed there was a slight delay this week. What's going on? How are you doing? So, so, of course, that can be done in a very accusatory way. 
or it can be done in a compassionate way. It's like, is, is, is everything okay? Just, just checking up on you. So, so asking more about the person that rather than the, the, the project. Okay. And, um, and, and obviously IVF is particularly, uh, if, if I can say exaggerated because of the, the external hormones that are being introduced and so on, but this is happening as well for, for a lot of issues for someone else trying to get pregnant naturally, as we mentioned, but even for, for, um, a couple who's already pregnant, there are going to be some hormonal changes. And for the first few months, people don't, uh, don't tell their, their, their colleagues and their boss, um, that they're pregnant. But then a little bit further down the line, even when when people are aware that there is a pregnancy going on, there are still issues. There are doctor's visits and checkups that need to be done, morning sickness, there everything like that. Again, how how best to be creating a um, uh, an, an inclusive work environment that allows for just the natural process of things? I think it might be helpful if I explain what goes on when you eventually do fall pregnant. So let's assume had tried for months and years to be pregnant. Finally, one of them conceives. Now, we know from data that call it mood disorders, perinatal mood disorders can happen to anyone as soon as you're pregnant. So can you imagine someone, a woman who's tried for many, many years to fall pregnant? She's finally pregnant, but then because of hormones, because of social structure, whatever reason, she's starting to feel depressed. She's finally to feel anxious. And then the shame comes in because she shouldn't be feeling like that. Mm -hmm. She's finally pregnant. So now you've got many, many layers of emotions on top of that. All right. And, and I'll give you some data mm -hmm. just to put things in perspective. Perinatal mood disorder. That means the moment you fall pregnant, Till up to two years post-birth, you can be experiencing some physical, emotional symptoms, right? There could be, we're talking about difficulty breathing, fatigue, headaches, insomnia, excessive sleeping, loss of appetite, overreacting, overeating, nightmares, right? Those are physical symptoms if someone's struggling with their mood. Now, what about emotional symptoms? You can feel overwhelming sadness, guilt, shame, isolation, anger goes on, helplessness, hopelessness. Now, on the other end, you may have thoughts of suicide or self-harm, thoughts of infanticide or harm to the baby. We're talking about a spectrum of emotions. Wow. It's very complex, Greg, right? It's biological reasons, there's psychological reasons, and there's social reasons. Social would be like work stress, poor family relationships, whether you're a single parent, whether it's an unplanned pregnancy, it's very complex. And those physical emotional symptoms I explained, not all of us will, ex will experience it, but according to the Oxford Handbook of Perinatal Psychology, the, per the prevalence of, call it perinatal mood disorder, averages one in seven women. That's a lot. That's quite a lot. So would you imagine as a manager looking at your whole office, one out of seven women may be struggling with these mood disorders. Yeah, that that that's a, a lot to, um, to 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 deal with for for the individual who's trying to hide a lot of this. Um, but but again, from from the environment, right? How how do we how do we make it easier for for women to go through this? There's obviously having a compassionate manager 
um, is is important. Of course, people are compassionate partly because of their you know their, their own heart, but as well when when the CEO or members of the C-suite are completely impatient and unforgiving, then managers are very clear that they can't afford to give flexibility to their staff because I don't know maybe that looks sweet so uh, looks looks weak. So I guess really a lot of this is going to be driven from from the top down. If the CEO and members of the C-suite are shown are are are, are clearly compassionate or understanding or saying, oh, you know, you don't sound so good. Why don't, why don't you work from home today? Or, you know, just giving a little bit of heart through all of that, that will filter down because it makes it easier then for other senior people to see that this is an acceptable way of dealing with their staff. So, so that's a, a starting point. A lot of that is going to be driven from the top down. I think you raise a very good point, Greg. We need to give people some space, um, call it work from home, call it a little less obligations during those few weeks. And I say this for the men and the women who have new babies, because data shows up to 80% of women get the postpartum baby blues. It can last from a few days to up to a few weeks. And we're talking about emotional highs and lows. You're sad, you're moody. So you can imagine when you're trying to contact a female colleague after they give birth, and it happens a lot. Women are on the phone right after birth, taking meetings, talking to clients. It can be extremely difficult because up to 80% of women suffer from postpartum baby blues. Now, get this, 10% of male partners can also develop post-baby blues. We're talking about female partners or male partners. You are not the one giving birth, but because of lack of sleep, because of the stress with a new baby, because of relationship problems, 10% of partners can get post-baby blues. And this includes, quite interestingly, data has shown physically giving birth or after adopting a child. Mm. So when placement happens, you've waited for so long for your, for your adoption to come through, you finally receive your adopted child, you can also experience blues. Mm. And that's lack of sleep, you know, stress adjustments, especially if the ideas and expectations aren't aligning with reality after adoption. And birth parents. Mm. Parents who put their babies up for adoption for all sorts of reasons can also experience these symptoms. Yeah. So based on this understanding alone, it covers the entire office, Greg. Yeah. Women who've given birth. Both. Yeah. Parents who have adopted, partners of women who have given birth. These are successful pregnancies that produce live babies. And then we're talking about there's miscarriages as well. Yeah. More stress, more hiding. Yes. So yes, I would suggest going back to your point. Mm -hmm. If somehow we can give people a little bit more space Mm -hmm. a few weeks after adoption or birth, it will be extremely helpful. Yeah. And I, and I know that the, the attitude of some people are going to be, it's like, well, no one's been speaking about it in the past, so everything's fine. Why suddenly should we allow people to start being open and speaking about it? But the point is, everything wasn't fine. Uh, it, it looked like everything was fine in the office, but the employees were having stress and depression and taking medications to be coping. So So things weren't fine. And if we can bring it out in the open, we can actually prevent it getting to the point, not always, but but some of the time, so that people, uh, you know, r- rather get some therapy, rather feel like your work environment is a protected environment, 
rather than bottle it up until suddenly you know you need psychiatric drugs for depression or or, or otherwise. Yeah, and I agree. And and you're right. It does come down to uh, medication or even hospital admission at times. And the number of men and women who come into my room, my counseling room, crying because they are struggling to balance new baby at work. Mm. I mean, you would be surprised. These are high performing professionals and it's stress from society, stress from home, stress from the workplace. And there's always that financial pressure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That, and, and that, that burns everyone. So, so now moving to wrap this up uh, again, a big part of this discussion has been around awareness. Because a lot of people have never stopped to think about it. Um, they, they aren't aware, you know, just because they don't see it in the office, they assume that there are no problems. But, but again, it's raising it to the awareness of CEOs and C-suite that uh, these problems exist. Uh, you know, you, you, you were quoting some very scary numbers about how prevalent these different issues are. Um, so, so again, giving advice now to, to members of, of, of the, the, the C-suite at, at an organization how do they um, how do they create an environment which which is appropriate, uh, uh, which is more um, you know the the theme here is wellness, so so a wellness orientated thing. There's 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 being aware, there's showing compassion. We've got work from home uh, flexibility around doctors' appointments. Uh, I suppose even even health insurance. You know when when a company is establishing a health insurance program. You know, choosing one that absolutely excludes anything related to um, uh, 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 mental wellness around therapy, excluding anything to do with uh, uh, you know uh, uh, childhood, children, pregnancy, and everything like that. It may be a great cost-cutting exercise, but it's not that supportive of staff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I you know I, I I guess there is a lot for 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 CEOs and for C-suite to do to create a work environment that is that that is wellness orientated. Correct. And you know, in addition to truly empathetically asking how your employees are doing, if possible, if it's noticeable someone's very pregnant, mm-hmm. or if you know your male staff has a partner who's very pregnant or female partner who's Perhaps let them leave work a little early. Let them come to work a little later. Just to show them some care and support because it's not easy. And and here's the thing. When a woman suffers miscarriage or stillbirth, which is after 20 weeks of gestation, one day your staff is pregnant, one day she's not. I would really give them a lot more support. Allow them to take time off because the emotions that surround that for both the partner and the person is tremendous. And as a mother who has been working, one of the feedback we've always um, trying to bring to management is simple as a pumping room. There are, there are women who choose to breastfeed their children and continue to do so after they return to work. I tell you, pumping in a toilet cubicle does not help in any way. And again, it does not support the woman as a mother. So please, and I know more and more companies are doing this, provide them with a room where they can privately and respectfully and honorably pump 
and produce milk for their children. And if they're doing that in a stress-free and clean environment, that's got to be good for them. It's got to be good for their child. Right. Fantastic. Yeah, and thank you very much for your time. I, this, this has been a, a, a fantastic discussion. Um, I think there is a, a, a lot of information that needs to be shared. I would encourage members, uh, CEOs, C-suite, who have listened to this and have learned something, to share this uh, interview with, with other members of their staff so that they too can start to roll out a, a slightly more heartfelt approach to, to the work environment. And, um, and that's really good. Any closing thoughts? This is such an important topic. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to share what is a very important topic these days, which is women's health. Now, this is only one aspect of women's health, right? We're talking about fertility mm. and all that goes with it. There's also menopause. Mm. That's another big topic these days. And I'm hoping that we can touch on that some other time. I'm sure we will. There's uh, there's a lot of interest out there to to focus on wellness and, and, and mental wellness. So good. Thank you very much. Thank you, Greg. Thank you.